I'm gonna show you, I'm gonna show you how to operate in a spirit. This is Happy Life Studios. This message is for you. This message is for you. This message is singular to you. It's not for anybody else. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to get. It's not hard to understand. Hey, are you happy? Now that's a great question. Does the sun set high? Does the sun set high? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. What's up, Happy Lifers? Welcome to Happy Life Studios. Or maybe I should say, welcome to the crazy house. I mean, it has just been crazy up in here. Tomorrow, I fly out to Camp Daniel, where I'll be gone for six weeks. So I'm trying to get everything ready for Camp Daniel, and I'm trying to get everything ready for Happy Life Studios. So um, I'm, I've been just doing podcasts like crazy. Uh, I couldn't get... Tony on the phone because Tony is also getting ready for Camp Daniel, so he doesn't really have the time to sit down and do it over the phone with me. So, luckily, I'd find a bunch of podcasts that, that we had recorded, um, and I hadn't edited them or put them on on our podcast yet. So, some of these podcasts in the in the next few weeks may seem like they don't fit in the timeline of things. That's why I mean they've been sitting there, and then all these other podcast ideas and things have been coming up. And luckily, I had a bunch of them that I was able to go back and and redo because uh, I don't want you guys to miss a single episode this summer. Last summer, I wasn't nearly as good. When I'm at Camp Daniel, I mean, if I'm not trying to catch my breath, I'm, I'm hanging out with people. Uh, Camp Daniel is a very powerful place, and it's full of powerful people. And uh, when I'm there, um, I want to hang out with them. And, it, you know, it takes me anywhere between one and three days to put together a podcast from start to finish. And I just don't have that kind of time uh, when I'm at Camp Daniel because, for me, it's 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 very important for me to hang out with the campers, the workers, the staff, the whole deal. It's like a six-week-long party. <laughs> it really is. It's it's the happiest place on earth. It's the most powerful place on earth. And I, I keep throwing out this uh, invitation to you, but feel free to come by Camp Daniel. Uh, we're meeting at Lake Helen Bible Camp, uh, just north of Crivets in northern Wisconsin. And we'd love to have you come by and, and see us and, and just visit and, and see it for yourself. Or even we could always use workers. Uh, we could fit you into some place that fits your skills, that type of thing. So you can go to CampDaniel.org and check a lot of that stuff out if you want. But I wanted to make sure that, that you all got a podcast every week. And I think we're there. And I'm just posting this one now, just letting you know that's what's what's going on. The other night, I was watching the movie Churchill. Uh, it was the BBC version of it, I believe. I had seen The Darkest Hour uh, with Tony when it came out, and this is a different one, but when I put the two together, it's just, uh, it's a pretty powerful thing in my brain right now. I've got so much stuff going on in my brain, I'm hoping that I can lay out for you in a way that makes sense to you what, everything that's going on inside of me. I've just got a lot of life bubbling up inside of my brain, inside of my heart, and I want to be able to put that out in a podcast form that makes sense to you. I was never really good in history. In fact, I would love to go back to, sometimes when I speak at schools and stuff, I actually sit in on the classes. Man, I'd love to go back to fifth grade, almost any grade for that matter. I think I would suck a lot more out of the classes. I think I would get more out of them now. Like the other night I was hanging out with a bunch of my friends and uh, we were talking about history. And I started asking questions about history and about World War, particularly World War II. 
And I kept asking questions till finally a young man, uh, another happy lifer, was was there actually, and listens to our podcast and the whole deal. And he works at Camp Daniel as well. And he said, "Steve, like, did did you even go to school?" Because <laughs> the questions I asked were so dumb for me. I sh- I should know this stuff. Everyone should know this stuff. I just didn't. I learned it all at one point. I just don't remember all that stuff. And I learned better with people too. So I just started to try to revamp my memory, so to speak, and, and get all those facts right. So when the movies come out, it's really cool. I know it's Hollywood's version of it, but still, it's kind of like, a, you know, why read the book when you can watch the movie kind of a concept, right? But there's a couple things that I got from both of those two. When you mix those two movies together, The Darkest Hour and the Churchill, the BBC version, I came up with some pretty, uh, pretty powerful things to me personally. One of them was Churchill's role what he wanted to do and what he had to do. And uh, Churchill wasn't big on, I believe it was called in the movie Operation Overlord, but that was when I think it was at Dunkirk. He wasn't big on Eisenhower and Montgomery's plan to go in and, and send all their troops in that area. And, and it became a very victorious, uh, decisive win for the Allied forces. But uh, Churchill had had some history from a, a previous battle that he was in charge of, and it didn't go so well. And he just kept seeing those images in his mind of all the soldiers that were under his watch that were lying on the beach, uh, lifeless, uh, destroyed by the enemy. And he just, in his mind, he just knew that this operation was going to do the same thing. But it, according to the movie anyway, he just didn't have the influence to stop it. He tried like crazy to stop it. And the guilt he had on himself that he couldn't stop it, he just saw tens of thousands of lives and tens of thousands of British lives he saw it as his fault. If he can't stop this thing, they're going to be dead. And uh, so in the movie, he has a conversation with his wife. He talks about how I'm a fighter. You know, I'm a, I'm a fighter and I need to go over there and fight. And uh, at one point he had told Eisenhower, uh, the king and I are going to be with the troops and we're going to go over there and we're going to fight with them no matter what you say. And Eisenhower tried to talk him out of it, but he said, we're going to do it. And then the king shows up and meets with uh, Churchill again and says, uh, I've changed my mind. I don't think it's a good idea for us to go over there where the, where the Germans could just, Hitler could just take us both out in one, you know, in, in one bomb or whatever. I don't think it's a wise thing. We have to stay here. And so you're looking at a guy that he's been a warrior his whole life. He's been a fighter his whole life. Now he's at an age now where he can't go over and fight for his troops. And he's at a position where he's a minister of defense. He's in charge of all the troops. And he can't fight, and he, he's going through this struggle inside as he's talking with his wife and says, who am I going to be if I can't be a fighter? And uh, at one point, he's he's in this this funk that he just can't get out of, and, and everyone's trying to, to get him back into reality because they need him. England needs him. The Allied troops need him. England was the, the major focal point right there. If, if Hitler could get that island, it would be over for the rest of the world. At least that's what, what uh, Churchill said, and I, and I believe him. But what turned the whole thing around, and he started getting going off negative about, and he was talking to one of his aides and just saying, man, all those men are going to die, and they're going to, there's no hope, and we can't do anything. And finally, his secretary, and he was a pretty harsh guy on his secretaries, finally his secretary speaks up and just yells at him, and it's what snaps him out of his funk, actually, according to Hollywood, anyway. Well, not Hollywood, I guess it's BBC, but it was a great scene where she yells at him and said, stop, stop, my fiance was on one of those boats. And I don't need to hear from you that there's no hope. I have got to have something to hold on to. And Winston snaps out of his tirade and starts speaking to her and asking her, 
what's your fiance's name and what boat is he on? And all of a sudden, it just brings him back to reality and he realizes, wait a minute, this country needs me. It changed everything. He felt like since he couldn't go over to be a soldier, he couldn't be a warrior. But all he did was just change the field upon which he was a warrior. He changed the venue and he became a warrior, but his weapon was no longer his rifle. It was his tongue. It was his heart. It was his brain. And he sat down in front of that microphone and put together one of the greatest speeches. I mean, Winston Churchill's known for his speeches. And when he laid that speech out and he did it over the airwaves, it's what gave heart and hope and courage. One of the podcasts you're going to hear in the next week or two talks about courage and pouring courage into somebody. This is a perfect setup for that podcast. I think I'll play it next week, actually. Um, Winston Churchill laid down his rifle and laid down his grenades, but he picked up his heart and he picked up his mouth and he used it and he became a warrior, but he became a warrior to thousands and thousands and thousands of people through the airwaves. To this day, they call him one of the greatest Britons of all time. If he would have went on that ship, he could have done some damage, I'm sure. Um, Even though he was older, he still could have done some damage, but not like the damage he did to the enemy, that he did to darkness, that he did to evil when he used his mouth. England needed hope, and he's the one that gave it to him. And man, the movies, both of them showed his distress and the price that he went through. And these heroes that we see out there, we don't always see the price that they pay to go through it. It, It's just, it's brutal, but it's what makes them great. It's what makes them great. I was watching The Greatest Showman when it came out. And uh, I mean, I know the facts about P.T. Barnum. I know the facts about what kind of a person he was. And I know how Hollywood made it something more than really what it was. I I knew that he he took advantage of those people that had um, disabilities and and made money off of them. But I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about the movie. The movie was a great show. And and, and in the movie, there's one scene that was very powerful to me. There's several scenes that were very powerful to me. I was bawling within the first minute of that movie. Uh, But the one scene where he shows up in the center ring and he has all these people around him, all his sideshow freaks that other people would call them, all these people that the culture would overlook or exploit or abuse, had all them in the ring with him. In fact, in 1 Corinthians one twenty six, it says that God chose the people that the world overlooks and exploits and abuses this is what it says in first Corinthians chapter one in the Bible. Um, but he was in there with, in that ring with all these people that had these weird oddities that everyone else would consider low and bottom of the food chain and, and consider freaks of nature and all these things. And that's what they'd show up to see the bearded lady or, or, or whatever, you know. Um, but as he was in that ring and, and the conclusion had finally come and he was on their side, I saw him leading all of them. And they finally had a group and they fit together and they were a family and they were a community. And that's what I get to experience. For six weeks, <laughs> starting tomorrow. That's what Camp Daniel is. It's a bunch of people that society has overlooked or exploited or abused or ignored. Um, I've asked them, you know, 
what are some of the names that people have called them out in public and how they feel when they go out in public and people stare at them. I had one good friend of mine that was from a camp with people with disabilities and she Facebooked me and just said she was at a mall and some lady reached down and tapped her on the head and said, oh, isn't she a nice, sweet little? And it was just very offensive to her. It made her mad. She's a very sharp, brilliant young lady who's way smarter than I am. But because she was in a wheelchair and she, she had a disability where she couldn't talk, they consider her dumb and patting her on the head like she's a cute little puppy or something. I mean, I know the thing that these guys go through because I hang out with them and, and and to see them all in the center ring together in my mind when that movie is going on that's what I was seeing I was seeing me in the center ring the center ring not a side ring the center ring showing off these people that some would say are oddities but I think are just amazing creations of God in the movie P.T. Barnum is the one who brought them together that's who I want to be I want to be in that center ring with them. And I want to show them off for everyone to see. That's why I talk about them a lot. And I I apologize on one hand, but on the other hand, there's no way I apologize because they're heroes. They're amazing people. They're they're just, they're modern day heroes. So I'm sorry that I talk about them so much, but this is why I want to be their Winston Churchill. I might not be able to do a lot of things well, But my rifle, my weapon, is also my tongue. It's my mouth. It's my heart. It's my mind. I put uh, something online someone had had, uh, on Facebook, and I love it when people reply back about the podcast and all that type of stuff. It really, it feeds me. It builds me up. And and they put something out there about, they talked about the podcast and said, they saw this story about Alaska Airlines and uh, reminded them of the, one of the podcasts I did. And I put out a little tongue-in-cheek remark like, like, oh, someone listens to my podcast? And they replied back with, yes, I do. So keep them coming. I'm not at all saying that I am like Winston Churchill. But I'm saying that I'm like Winston Churchill. Huh? <laughs> I'm not comparing myself saying I'm on the same level of Winston Churchill. Here's a guy that took his heart and his brain and he paid a severe price to make the difference that he did. And if you watch the movies, you just get a little look into the the anxiety, the angst, the all the junk inside of him. In fact, did you know that Winston Churchill had a had a speech impediment? He had a disability too, and his disability was in the area of his greatest strength. I'm telling you, it is Camp Daniel day after day after day. I see the same thing. And I'm not saying I'm a communicator to his level like Winston Churchill, but I'm saying I'm a communicator like Winston Churchill. That's how God made me. That's why God made me. He gave me this heart. He gave me this head. He gave me this mouth because when I, when I watched that movie, I just had to go for a walk and I just walked around. I just was just thinking about life and thanking God for, you know, how he can use me and, and I want to be a spokesperson for people that are ignored and overlooked. And that's what Jesus was, actually, too. He, he, it, it, it's like the Lord of the Rings and the hobbits at the very end when they bow down to the king, you know. They were the low on the food chain, these hobbits, you know. You could consider them people with a dis- disability, too. They were shorter than everybody else. Everybody looked down at them. They were thought insignificant. But the king looked at them when they started to kneel down. He says, no, not you. My friends. You bow to no one. And then everybody bowed down to the hobbits who made this thing 
possible. That's what I want to do for the people of Camp Daniel. That's a lot what this Happy Life Studios is really about. To take the downtrodden, to take the overlooked, to take the abused, to take those that no one else seems to notice and put them in the center ring and do the show, do the dance with them and let everyone see them dance and let them see, let everyone see the, the heroes that they truly are. So I'm going to end this because I got to go pack. I got to go get ready. I've got to edit this whole thing and get it out. Um, so six weeks, baby. Um, it, it's going to be a blast. I want to be like Barnum in the greatest show, not in real life, but in the greatest show. I want to be in the center ring with these guys. I want to be Churchill. I want to use my voice. I want to use my weapon to bring good to the world, to defeat evil. And like the Bible says, you overcome evil with good. You overcome negative with positive. You overcome sad with happy. And I see a world that's full of anger, that's full of discouragement, that's full of sadness. How are we going to come against that? By increasing the happy out there. And that's what we're about at Happy Life Studios. That's what you're about, Happy Lifer. Let's do this thing together. Come on, jump in the centering with me and let's celebrate the strengths of the people that everyone else just walk by, ignore. Let's make sure that others now see them for the amazing, awesome, unique, wonderful, life-changing heroes they really are. This is who you wanna be. Deep face.